The Assembly Line, an NES homebrew podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin from Kahan Games. And I'm Bo from Soul Goose Productions. And we're here to talk about Christmas. As it relates Christmas to NES homebrew. <laughs> Christmas. Oh, well, and other holidays, if you celebrate other holidays, right? Sure. Or welcoming yeah. to all. Yeah. yeah say yeah. sure. It doesn't sound believable. No, no, it is. Uh, yeah, that sounds horrid. Um, that's not what I was going for. All holidays and then some. I would just prefer not to pick a single holiday and then include all the others. You just don't mention any holiday and say holiday season. Okay, so this is a holiday special. There we go. Holiday special. <laughs> Welcome to the Assembly Line 2020 holiday special. We're going to talk about Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. As it relates to homebrews. Yes. Now I remember. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the tiny Tim. Uh, yeah. A homebrew Christmas. Don't tale. talk about Tim like that. He can't help his height. Both of them, too. Huh. <laughs> well, we brought some friends on today. Um, it's going to be fun. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, Chris, uh, also known as Deadeye. I'm Sean, also go by Scrobbins, or if you follow my Instagram, Arbitrary and Delicious. Yes. Wait, how so, do you say that? Oh. Last one, Scrobbins. Scrobbins, not Scrobins. I don't correct people, but it's, it's, my, <laughs> old, it's my old college email. It's my first initial, my middle initial, and then the first few letters of my last name. And we now have your social security somehow, probably too. <laughs> yeah, Zero nine. <laughs> I got I got in early. <laughs> and how would we, how would we know you guys? Stalking. Uh, I bother you all the time. Well, I send you PMs us, constantly. How would the wire Man, that sounds like how I met Bo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how would people the the people how would they know you? Stop, right, Sean. You want to go first? Sure. Um, Courteous. <laughs> so. Um, I'm currently one of the uh, homebrew staff members on uh, Video Game Sage. Um, one of the big time collectors. I maintain the VGS. Ooh, ooh yeah. Um, at least I'm getting there. I maintain the home... All right, big time. Yeah, I have the homebrew, <laughs> the homebrew almanac, and the homebrew on the horizon, which are fairly exhaustive lists of physically available homebrew that is available or at least en route. Um, and earlier this year, I launched Homebrew Draws Near, a blog series that uh, takes deep dives into new homebrews that are just coming across the finish line that should be on everyone's wish lists. Deep dive sounds like a marketing term. I don't know if I care for that. <laughs> I'm just an overprocessed lawyer with some spare time. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and, and Chris? You got some details for us? It's hard to follow uh, Sean's resume there. <laughs> I probably should have gone first. <laughs> He's medium time. Medium, medium time. You know, my, my collection won't rival uh, uh, Sean's or, or Bo's with, um, you know, 50 copies of uh, uh, e. Frogger. Oh, E.T., sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Sean, I'm on the homebrew team staff on Video Game Sage. You'll find me there a lot. Um, pretty active on twitter mostly just talking about homebrews on um, video game sage uh i have a blog series as well homebrews in focus 
it's not very far along, but try to take deep dives, like Sean said, into um, instead of new homebrews, homebrews of the past. Talking about the origins. And then I like to run competitions or contests on Video Game Sage, homebrew related. Hmm. Well, that, that's hard to argue with there. Uh, you two have kind of filled, not filled the gap, but like in 2013, there were several of us that came on. We got really into things, really excited. We helped further things. And you two, I mean, have been around since 2016 or 2017, I want to say. That's about right. Yeah, about like right. Okay. 2017. More or less. But you've really done sort of the same thing. Like you, you've, you've gotten excited, you're invested, you're helping people out, you're finding things, you're tracking stuff down, you're, you're just, yeah, I don't know. It's been nice to see new people kind of, kind of come in and take some of the old roles. Seems like somebody else once ran a homebrew on the horizon list. I don't know. That has since been retired. But let uh, me, let me ask you, you both seemingly came, who, who came first between the two of you? Do you have any I, idea? Um, on NA, I think Sean was more active than I was. Uh, I think I joined probably when he was already on the site, but I wasn't very active on Nintendo Age until closer to uh, the decline. The end. It's interesting Thanks. seeing things from you know my perspective, but have the two of you done a lot of communicating over the years? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Chris sends me... Um, shares tweets with me all the time about uh, games that might or might not be on my list or um, texting me like, oh, I just saw this one on eBay. Is this still on your list? Um, so <laughs> we'll definitely always share uh, uh, hints and tips, although sometimes I'll get um, game names mixed up. There's so many games with super in the name that I'll think like, oh, yeah. let, me, let me send this one to him. And it's like, I got that one like a couple months ago. Like, oh, no, it was that <laughs> other one. Sorry, the other super thing. Got it. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's delve over into homebrew past, but let's let's predate homebrew for a little bit. Like, how did the two of you get into NES collecting in general? Uh, I think, oddly enough, this is going to be kind of a detour. But um, a few years ago, the analog NT console was advertised, and it was five hundred dollars, and I was like, "That's outrageous!" But that. <laughs> Seed was planted in my mind uh, about NES. And then soon after that, I picked up uh, a front loader and some games, and it kind of spawned from there. I wanted to really play the games that I played in my youth, ones I missed out on. And then it kind of just kept evolving from there. I started to reach out and play ROM hacks. And then eventually, in my searches, homebrews came up. I'm like, what is a homebrew? And that kind of led me to the NES Assembly Line podcast. And, and here you are. And here I am. I just kept <laughs> playing and, and buying more homebrews. And eventually, homebrews outnumbered any other games I have. Well, what, are you, what are you up to, would you say? Um, just out of curiosity here. I, th I think I'm in the 80s now. Maybe something like All that. Right. Not bad. Sorry, yeah. Kevin, you were saying. No, I was just wanting to hear Sean's backstory. So for NES, just before Homebrew, um, it began on a crisp fall day somewhere in the 90s in a small town <laughs> of Connecticut. There's, um, 
my um my church is a fall festival and there's all kinds of stuff and um my mom and i find an nes and she decides to get it for me because i was a good kid at least at the time um and it, was, it was a bit of a, a bit of an argument my dad was very against video games it was i was lucky to be able to play with their atari 5200 and the 2600 adapter that was supposed to be the limit but um i kept my grades up i behaved plurality of the time um and so my rebel lawyer here <laughs> um so i just built up my games as a kid and eventually more consoles got added and then um when i moved to dc after finishing law school um try to figure out what to do with some of my spare time also unload some of the stuff i left at my parents house and i thought i'm going to bring my consoles over and let me start with what are the the games that every collector that is worth their salt has. So I had to get my Contras, my Ninja Gaidens. And I'm doing research in terms of those essential games. And these articles start popping up of new games for old consoles. And I'm finding stuff like Haunted Halloween and Star Versus. And it just became this rabbit hole of, I really want to recapture some of this fun I had in my childhood. And that led me to the assembly line. It led me to Nintendo Age. And I'm emailing everyone just to learn something that's actually how i uh, met Bo. was i went on his kickstarter and messaged him saying hey you know do you have any copies of spookatron left i'm sorry i'm late to the game i'm catching up <laughs> i love that you're both from the northeast <laughs> oh does that come through in our accent <laughs> i didn't say that i didn't say that <laughs> all right so you're collecting games you're starting to get into homebrews at what point did you decide you were going to get really into homebrews? Like, was it a specific <laughs> game that you got obsessed about? Like, what what was it that pulled you in so strongly? Uh, oh, for me, for comparison's sake, uh, Sean, what are you up to in terms of number for collection? Oh, that's a good. good point. Um, I'm definitely well past a hundred. Um, no, I like how you put that. There. Well, no, because <laughs> um, well, past big time. It. No, it's because uh, VGS, <laughs> we have the collection charms and uh, Chris and I came up with a bunch of um, uh, tiered charms and a, there was one for a hundred and I was like, I need to confirm how many I have and I want to make sure that I have however many I'm going to claim I have. And um, I was excited when I found out, yes, I have a um, hundred and I thought it came a little just passed it when we, I think, rolled it out in the summer. Um, and a bunch of other ones that I'd invested in finally uh, had gotten released. So I'm, I'm past 100, plus I've dug up a couple of other gems from some other corners that I'd uh, since added to it. So I'm probably at maybe like 110, 115 by now. Okay, all right. Just just sort of curious. Anyways, what, what's the, like Kevin said, what's the game <laughs> Well, that... first I want to say I love that you went and confirmed can you imagine, like, if you had a friend over who was also on the forum and they like fact checked you? Exactly. Oh man, that so is, embarrassing. Exactly, I would be tossed out, immediate ban. Um, there's just no coming back from from that post hinterlands. But as far as um, the game, I think really, and this what's helpful to me is that there was a it's an old VGS thread that's like your life in ten to fifteen games. Um, and I think the the game that really confirmed to me that I'm not just getting a handful of games for the novelty of it, but that I'm a homebrew collector was um, the first release of Larry. Um, it's I was I think I was aware of what was out there, 
I'd heard a bunch of people talk about, these are the great homebrew games. If you like homebrew, you need these. And I saw it on eBay and I thought, okay, I'm going to start um, not just the ones that are available, but I'm going to go find the ones that are out of print. And I think getting my copy of Larry was like, I am now a homebrew collector and I'm going to keep an eye out for these other gems that I really want to add. It's a dangerous that game, road. That game, that game seems no. to go for decent bucks. Did you, did you pay up for that? Um, it was, it didn't seem unreasonable. I think that's what really helped. If it was like $750, I might've, that might've oh, been God. a, if that, if that had been a completely, <laughs> that'd have been a completely different road, but it was reasonable. I, I don't remember okay. the exact amount, but it was enough that I thought right. I could do this. What about you, Chris? Uh, I'm, I think it was the incident. Oh man, this is getting weird. <laughs> Uh, but also continue. Kevin chose you both for a reason. <laughs> I think up to the point I was mostly playing free downloads and everything like that. And there was lists and it said like best homebrews and incident was on there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about this game. Nothing new and- here. <laughs> no demo, so I kept- not interested. I kept passing on it, and then the episode came out on the assembly line, and I think Tim was on the episode, and he spoke in much detail and very highly of the game. So I'm like, you know what? I'll order it. Um, so it comes in, and the box is smashed. Nice. And I reach out to Kevin on Twitter, and up to that point, I don't think we ever spoke, but I found him. His DMs were open, so I sent him a DM, and I'm like, just so you know, the box got damaged. You included um, the box, but I didn't order it. But everything's good. The cards works. And it kind of started from there. And I think because the incident eventually was out of print, that kind of put in my mind that some of these games will not always be available in the future. And if I want them, I should really look out to see what else is out there physically to buy rather than just the free ones and i think as episodes kept going out and i kept looking at lists seeing what other people are saying and i started to pick up more and more and more and the big thing was about playing them and a lot of these games are only in the past were only available physical cartridge only and that kind of reinforces idea of picking up those games yeah for the longest time we were worried about releasing stuff digitally just because we thought you know if people are out there like floating our roms around who's gonna who's gonna buy the physical copies so we were really hesitant for a long time to Even make about that, available. that it's why would you want people to just steal your stuff immediately yeah you know? which but i mean at still, the same time they're doing concern. it anyway <laughs> well yes and no i mean some of that stuff not so much but i mean it's still a concern when some of these kickstarters come out and they ship the digital rom too early and I'm yeah. going to say this because we are currently shipping copies of Trophy and not releasing the ROM until to like next week. Uh, you can pick up bootleg copies off AliExpress before backers even have their stuff because people just pirate it immediately. It's, it's crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's a dick move. Um, <laughs> and you know how I feel about strong language, but uh, <laughs> it is. Oh, we're going to have to explicit this for uh, yep. Nathan's family. For Dang. you, for a reason. Because of you. I know, I know. Man, disappointed. Well, that's okay. 
It's Christmas season. That's forgiveness season, right? Or is that Easter? Uh, sorry, spring spring holiday. It's up there. Festivus is coming up. I'm going to air my grievances. Oh, it is coming up. <laughs> 23rd. Nice. All right, Kevin. This is your Christmas past here? Yeah, we're still it going. Not, not very spooky. <laughs> I said Haunted Halloween was in there. Yeah, let's oh, talk yeah, about okay. other other games besides mine. You know, if you want to keep <laughs> talking about mine, that's cool. But like other games from the past that you've picked up, put in, maybe you didn't even think you would like it, but became important to you as an NES homebrew. I don't think you can really. I think all what's what's great about homebrew is the way that they explore aspects of gaming that a company whose job is to just grind these out is not going to pay attention to. I think, I mean, I love the beat-em-ups. That's why I love uh, Haunted Halloween. But the notion, I think one of the first um, that really just captured my imagination was Super Russian Roulette. This notion of, I don't need mm. to have a CRT and I can still play with my zapper. And it's this, you can have this adult-themed drinking game built out of it. I can create players that aren't with me or are with me, and just we can put the zapper to our head, just have this trash-talking cowboy. It was something that was just <laughs> so cool and so imaginative. And it's another one of those things that really pulls you into it. It's only, I think, this corner of gaming, that, um, at least as far as uh, older consoles, that really puts that kind of imagination in. It is cool that you he... You kind of make what you want. It's really yeah, cool exactly. that he made the game. Like, as a developer, if I was to try to think, okay, I'm going to make a, a Zapper game, I would think, oh, well, a Zapper isn't going to work on modern TVs. What's the point? But the fact that he found a specific, like, use that's used well, it's not just a gimmick. I think that's really awesome. That, that game just, was fun. And the fun of the um, the actual voice recordings that are put into it. I love putting that thing on just to see what kind of a, a mean spirited name I get. And <laughs> most of them are, most of them are hilarious, but there was one day a few months ago, I'm playing it and all of a sudden it just goes, I'm going to call you garbage. <laughs> and I, just, I wanted that game to last forever. Cause like, look who it is. It's garbage. <laughs> I have not played that one still. I can't find a copy. Really? You, you played it at Magfest though, right? That one year uh... before, before it came out. I don't think so. And did we ever actually sit and play it? It was. I know I did. I thought you did too. I don't recall. That was that was a rough year. (laughs) That was that was surgery year. It wasn't like I was hammered the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Yeah, I know you're you're always hurting. Well, not always, but I remember many years that you you know have to go upstairs and lay down. Yeah, just take a little break. Uh, No, that was the bad year though, but. Yeah, I remember you guys all playing, but I, I never did get to play. Uh, so if anybody's selling a copy, just let me know. I'm sending you a link from eBay right now, actually. Oh, <laughs> $500. <laughs> not unreasonable. Yeah, not unreasonable. I, I want to know what Sean's reasonable is. I got exactly. a bunch of stuff for sale. I mean, if you've it's seen below what Star- $750. If you've seen, <laughs> if you've seen what Starkeeper goes for these days, it's like, this is a good deal. Ooh, what is yeah. Starkeeper going for? For these days, I think the last one I saw was 750 or 800. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it was 800, but I think they settled on a offer. How I do think you someone know looked it up? Huh? <laughs> How do you know this? Like, do you like crack the code on eBay? Like, what are you doing? It was him, it was me. I, I hacked the government. 
He's hoarding them. <laughs> uh, someone, someone mentioned on that thread, it's somewhere that you can look in the web page code, and it'll list uh, what the accepted offer was. And I think the accepted offer was 700 or 750 Hey. Wow. Huh. See, Chris, See, this, this is, is why, why I'm a physical collector. Yeah. This is why <laughs> I, I cannot do this text stuff. You, you know. But um, Sean, Sean brought up a good point with um, Super Russian Roulette. And it's something that I admire about homebrews as well, is it revisits um, genres or topics that modern games don't anymore. They've kind of, for whatever reason, don't revisit it. And so I, I admire like going back to maybe like arcade style games or single screen games that people won't really develop many games for anymore. So if you look at like uh, NES Virus Cleaner, that's a great game. Oh, yeah. And and explore something that no one else was, and it it revisits it in a new way. Yeah, it seems like modern games, they've sort of figured out what sells and what doesn't, and they just stick to a formula and ignore older ideas. So you're right, it is... It is nice that uh, we as developers, we have sort of the benefit of of seeing what we like about modern games, but then bringing some of those ideas back to uh, game types that aren't really around anymore. Yeah, like or competition cards like Homebrew World Championship 2020, oh. uh, 20, no, sorry, 2012. <laughs> Tried to get 2020, but no, that's been a hassle. Yeah, I'm sad that that never took off. Well, I'm still looking for people to kind of take up the development role reach out to me if you're interested and you've had some great ideas for it is it i know is it is it back more to the traditional idea or were you still looking for the the boss rush idea so it kind of left off um so for people who who don't follow these threads so but you all should be (laughs) i'm in i'm in the list there i'm not following it so. (laughs) so update us all right so we were approaching the like anniversary of uh, the Nintendo World Championship uh, 30th anniversary. So I thought it, was, it would be a great idea to kind of pair that with a new Homebrew World Championship. And we're thinking about, okay, how can we not repeat the idea and to look at it a different way? So we came up with two, another scenario, which was uh, kind of like a boss rush competition card bringing uh, different bosses from different homebrews. And instead we thought, well, instead of splitting that between the traditional like four or five games that are timed at points and this boss rush, why don't we put both on the cart? And it's kind of, you can play, um, you know, uh, competition A or competition B. So we're looking at putting both on the cart. So what's the holdup at this point? Like f- finding developers willing to participate or, or what? Um, so developers to participate isn't really the issue. We've kind of lined up different developers of their IPs to, to contribute. It's really, I don't have the, the technical know-how to kind of oh. pull that all together. So need a lead to kind Kevin's of make the, multi, the multi-mapper. Yeah, let me... Um... Shoot me, shoot me a DM with the the game details. And, sure. Uh, Ooh, see magic's happening. 
See? You got uh, about you 10 days to fit it. It could still be called 2020 if you fit it in with the next 10 days. <laughs> Worst case scenario, you do it in 2022 and you make it a 10-year anniversary of the first one. Oh. Uh -huh. You got a two-year window now. Go for it, Kevin. But, but I can't do it next year. That 2021's off the table. Well, <laughs> this year yeah. or two years from now. Got it. So going back to the 8-bit <laughs> Christmas series, is there a... Well, it doesn't even have to be one. What uh, what years stand out for you um, for, like, whatever reason? Good games or good music or, or whatever? Uh, 2018 was a big one for me. The the isometric downhill skier snowboarder. Yeah. I think that was a great one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like they've been getting a little better in the past uh, few years. <laughs> what are you trying to say, reason. Kevin? Are there no bind playing here? <laughs> Look, that's where that's where I, the whole trend begins. <laughs> I love 2012. That was a game I played a lot on the Intellivision growing up. So whatever. But oh, uh, no, but you're just okay. If you're gonna talk poorly about it, I'm gonna defend it. I, I didn't say I didn't say anything poorly. Just mm. insinuations. Anyway, going back to the whole novelty idea. I, I think this is why I love my first, which was 2017, the multi-cart, because Ooh. in addition to, and that was my first year being in homebrew, so it kind of felt cool to have this one that had everything that was up to that point. But the whole, the, the, L, the LED screen was just so incredible. Um, I don't have a top loader, so it, it doesn't work quite as well on me, but just the concept of here's a screen that will generate the label of whichever of the nine games you're playing was just like, it just blew my mind that, this, that you could create something that sophisticated and cool on an NES card. I love talking to people about it and their eyes sort of glaze over because they're not retro gamers, but I'm still like, you need to see this. It's really cool. Why don't you appreciate this? <laughs> it is really cool. I don't know. That, and that... Blinky Lights. What's that? Also, the blinky lights you can't oh of course never got those out <laughs> but doesn't doesn't the label auto rotate when it like detects that it's in a top loader too it does it does that's so cool i did not know that part yeah brian does some awesome stuff how does He's it detect always it? tinkering i assume a gyroscope gyroscope i, I don't know no, I, I, it's, isn't it in the if it detects security chip or whatnot? Oh, that probably makes more sense. <laughs> I We're cutting like, that out. I mean, I'm just guessing. <laughs> no, don't cut it I out. Have to maybe Brian will put a gyroscope in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a gyroscope hidden in there, like Pokemon Pinball or what have you. But uh, It's still for I'm sale. Maybe that's version two, gyroscope. <laughs> <laughs> Gyromite 2, gyroscope. 2013 was a good one too. I like that one. Which one was that? That was the space shooter. Um, yeah, mm. the one your that wife. That was the likes. first one I got. Yeah, the one that Elise has the uh, highest score in the world on, even better than Jason. Um, Damn. Yeah. Has she played it yet this year? Yeah, she got onto the board, but she can't beat her top one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a weird one to like. I, I still remember that like coming into the community, seeing all these past ones, not being able to get them, and then it was like, oh, but there's one coming out this year. That's exciting. And then then it begins. The collecting. Yeah, I know when, uh, when Brian was coding that one, and I asked him how he was 
coming up with his enemy formations. He he does this thing in Excel where yeah yeah I don't understand it. I keep asking him to explain how he uses I have Excel, no clue. <laughs> but <laughs> somehow Excel turns into what you see on screen. Yeah, he would just say tables in Excel, and I keep asking him <laughs> questions because because the wife will be sitting there and she's basically cursing Brian's name, and it's like, why would he do this to anybody? Why these stupid bats? And it's like I you know I try asking him, and he just says, oh, I wanted to. <laughs> like that's the logic so because it's there she's like he could have taken the bat and made it like a snowflake or an ornament but he didn't so don't ask questions <laughs> well i'm sure that onus falls on whoever did graphics that year he doesn't care as long as the I... graphic artist gives him the graphics you know I what i appreciate know who did it that year there should be some spookiness me actually <laughs> there should be spookiness in some christmas games because that Wonderful time of the year song has that line. It's, you know, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glory. So there needs to be some kind of Halloween stuff that touches into holidays, that melts into Christmas. So I'm here for that. That one has yeah. a really good soundtrack, too, I will say, because I've listened to it a lot. Talking about Halloween, um, the scare carts were a pretty cool idea. I liked the uh, 2017. The extra incident levels that that was great. Oh, I did the art in that one. Yeah, you did. You did a hell of a job. Thank <clears> you. And I think Sean has a complete set now. For I do not. Uh, I, do, I do not have. I don't have 2018. Um, no, you don't. Someday, they're out there. But mm, maybe. I, I love the <laughs> trick or treat one because it reminds me of my favorite Homestar Runner cartoon where you do the trick-or-treating and you pick one of the three treats and then you'll get some kind of a hilarious response. <laughs> that was the first year? Uh, I think it was the second. The first year was the clown, right? Yeah, first year was the clown. I like that one. So I like 2016 is the one I like. It's so cool like that there is so many homebrews out that we can talk about them in like so many different even holiday themes. It's, it's awesome. Well, Halloween's the one that gets most of them. Everybody's sort of, ever since Brian, you know, had his long-running series, everybody else stayed away from Christmas. But Halloween, like, every publisher's done one of those. <laughs> yeah, but then there was the, like, greeting carts who was doing, like, Valentine's. Birthday. Uh, yeah. So many, so many holiday carts. Holly Jolly uh, Christmas. Yes. I, I'd like to see another one of those come out. Well, uh, Matt texted a week or two ago. Get him back on it. I'll get uh, get Bleepop to do a compilation of all his holiday chip tune and release an album too. Like yeah, all see, the, you'd be all set. All the Christmas music he's done, put it all in one. Can he fit the ball at this point? Yeah, he's done so many. Oh yeah, I think he's done it since 2013. I should That's know crazy. this. I just interviewed him. <laughs> <laughs> so did we. <laughs> So, speaking about Halloween, Spookatron. Ooh. Oh, see, like I said, every, every publisher nice. has done one. Every publisher. Dime, dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked about how that game came to be, Bo? I guess you probably have since we did an episode on it. We did. I also wrote like 10 pages on my uh, dev blog about it and need to write about 20 more. Yeah, I was about to say 10. Was that like a half day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, 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 I, I can answer specific <laughs> questions but I can't give you the whole story right now we don't have that kind of time it's, a, it's an underrated 
uh, uh, homebrew gem. You know, of all, the, I don't know why this is, but of all the assembly line episodes, that is the least listened to. I, I don't know why people like I, see it and they're like, "No, we're good." I, I think that's just <laughs> coincidental. So, something has know. to be the lowest. Yeah, but why? Why would like episode seven or nine or whatever it is like? Just why that one people skip over? I don't know. So what's the most listened to then? Oh, oh I'm sure it's one. Micromages. Oh, it could be that one. Yeah, the first one though gets a lot of people, and then they hear the bad audio quality and they never tune back in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should move that one to later in the order and then renumber everything. I think we everything. should redo it. Episode 25, we revisit Battle Kit. Remastered. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we do the remastered version because he revisited it as well. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can finally get uh, Dave on the podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he was the fellow that did some of the art in the first one. Um, which he was scheduled for our very first episode, and then yeah, fell through for some reason. Something I don't think we ever even heard. Uh, yeah, but it's too bad because he's a a super cool guy. Yeah. Anyways, well, you guys want to move on to Christmas present? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, obviously, when you look back to some of the other older homebrews, um. You know, you you can sort of see developers trying things and sort of figuring out what's possible. Not not everyone, obviously. People like Retrotainment came straight through the gate, making amazing games. Those assholes. Um, but what is it about? Let's just say current gen homebrews, which would be I don't know the past couple years. What features would you say? our big improvements over some of the early stuff. The graphics have been really coming along. Mm -hmm. They're, they're really improving. Yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of, of the longevity that the scene has had. Like these artists who found us, um, us being the scene, you know, and and being able to say, Hey, check out what I can do. I, I think, us as developers, we're, we're seeing where the talent is and trying to bring that in um, to what we're doing. So yeah, I, I agree. That's I think that makes a huge difference. All well, of it's- part of that too is you know people have complained for at least they used to about how you know things became monetized and we were charging for cartridges or charging too much or not giving them away for free, which that was a complaint at one point. <laughs> um, but you know. Producing things costs money, which I've harped on before. But, you know, if we're able to actually pay artists to do good work, um, not that artists before weren't doing good work, but, you know, we can really, like, find people, seek them out, uh, make it worth their while to invest, you know, hundreds of hours drawing these little tiny pixels when and actually finish projects. It, it's very different than, um, yeah, that's just one of the things that's come about in the present, I would say. People have been really good about, I think, promoting themselves and knowing where and how to really show off what they can do. Franken Graphics is just one of the most amazing pixel artists I've ever seen. She's great about showing just a couple of backgrounds that she's doing that she's working on and just promoting either a specific game or saying, I have this thing I'm sort of working on. Here's what's happening. But um, and people just showing off some of their the chip tune that's out there is just getting more sophisticated and fun. 
Um, and I think just the way that the community promotes and and supports itself, I think is doing a great job to help sort of spread the word. And I think there's just this virtuous cycle of, because people feel like they're being supported and appreciated, they're putting more love and effort into things and it's becoming this more mature, sophisticated um, level of development that I, I don't know when the point is, but I think really homebrew in terms of skill has eclipsed the license era. Oh, yeah, I yeah. think I'd agree with that for sure. Um, and I, I, I think to your point, I feel like anytime a, a major game comes out, like, you know, micromages or, you know, anytime one hits it big, Super, Super Russian Roulette was a big one on Kickstarter. I feel like anytime a, a major project comes out, the the community is growing, like more people are finding us and actually some of them are sticking around. So I don't know. Do you guys think the, the homebrew scene has peaked yet? Or do you think that that's still down the road? No, I think it's, it's going to keep growing. I think one, one of the, yeah, one of the appeals and it kind of leads off what Sean was just saying is everyone's more approachable as far as the development team that's on it. So they're sharing these little bits of the projects. People are getting more involved in it. And I think that's just going to lead to more and more growth because people can get behind an idea when they see kind of teasers along the way or that the, the artist or the musician or the programmer, they are reachable in a, in a more personal level. That gets more intrigued. I think it's going to keep growing because of that. And I think that, it's bigger than some people realize. I think the homebrew community is an archipelago and there's like a larger continent. It's sort of in the middle, but that there's all these other islands that people don't even know exist. I am constantly finding other companies that are working on NES games that have no connection to what we might consider the more central parts of the community. I was telling Chris before we started that um, I think Instagram had randomly suggested, Hey, you should, follow these people because you follow so-and-so and so-and-so. And I learned about this company called Jurassic Sunset Games. And they have this Miami Vice sort of like sunset noir aesthetic. And I'm in love with what I'm seeing. And I've never heard of them before. I think there is sort of a home base, homebrew community. And there are other pieces of them around there that aren't necessarily connecting that their their attitude is oh here's a fun novelty i can be involved in not necessarily whether there's a central place to connect and really plug in and grow further but that i think we're not capable of peaking because we're still growing in a bunch of places that we don't even know that we already are well and that's the nice part is even though a lot of people have taken on uh paid contributors with assets or what for music or art there's still tons of people just making whatever and looking for just people to work with on on a very grassroots nice hobbyist level mm -hmm. yeah the, the small projects are still there and people are still interested in them and on the other side as the homebrews keep getting released and there's more and more documentation the scope and ambition of projects are also growing and that's bringing in out people as far as players outside to kind of be involved and play those games. Yeah. It seems like more developers are showing up too. And I, I don't know if it's kind of the same thing as, um, you know, people finding out that 
homebrews exist. Um, but seeing developers show up that I had never heard of before, um, it's it's exciting because I'm sure they're bringing with them, um, you know, their friends and and people that didn't know that homebrew were a thing, and and it's just continuing to to sort of snowball. And the the better and better games doesn't hurt that. Uh. Yeah, but yeah. there's a nice mix. Like there there's the new you know the big stuff coming out like Jay and Silent Bob, um, you know, sort of attaching itself to this this big IP. But there's still a lot of smaller hobbyist projects that people are doing their own their own things. Um, so it's and people are ex- equally as excited about those smaller things. So I think that's that's helping a lot. And Mall Brawl is a good example of even just minor innovations. So not everything needs to be the super Russian roulette. I'm figuring out a new way to use this ever. But in Mall Brawl, um, I feel like it's one of the first beat-em-ups I've seen that really plays with the game field. It's not just, here's an open space and there's this cool background that surrounds you in this arena, but there's more of a textured environment like there are benches you can jump on there are garbage cans that are blocking you some you can knock over there are plants there's a real environment for you to play in and i don't think i see that in a lot of beat-em-ups it's more go from left to right there's not a lot that's in your way anything that is in your way you can punch but there's a notion that there's a 3d environment that you actually have to navigate around and that you can use to your advantage or can disadvantage you because you maybe you're forced in a corner that's itself a novel way to heighten the genre just that little bit further yeah, I I honestly can't imagine how he did cuz it was just the one developer, right? Spoonie Bard or did did that other company that he worked with actually help with the programming? Do you know? Bob? Um uh I don't know for sure. I think Thomas did most of it. Uh, and somebody else did music, somebody else did art. Uh, right. Well, he did some art, but uh <clears throat> I think all the programming was him. I'd have to okay. check. It's All just, right, I did a little bit of some of the sprite and level design. Oh yeah, <clears throat> that's just really impressive from a programming perspective. That one person essentially uh, coded that game because it's it's pretty massive. It's got all modern features in it too. Yeah, you can save. Yeah, I really like characters. that it saves after every level. You don't have to start over. Like as an old man, I don't have the time to to push through from the beginning if I don't make it through the game. Exactly. No, thank goodness the power pack has save states. I suck at games, so it's great to have that way that doesn't quite handicap me. I have a, I have a fighting chance. That I, I don't know how far you made it, but that shopping cart level took me so long to get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other games from the, the current era that uh, warrant some exploring? Like Project Blue, you know, mm-hmm. I think we could talk about that. Do it. Uh, Sean, I think you did an interview on it, right? You covered yeah, it. You were actually my first interview. Um, I loved it. It's I, I love the, the aesthetic, the mood of it, and how there's this immersive story that um, MT had this basically free reign to turn the manual from just this couple of pages telling you a cursory story and controls and really treated it as this is an in-universe uh, file full of information to immerse yourself in the game. Um, and it really plays with, with the environment. I'm, I'm always going to talk about how something plays with the environment, but that some <laughs> of the rooms are 
it's not just this immediately solvable thing, but that there might be a room where there's a laser that's shooting at this block and you have to wait for that block to get destroyed by the laser before it drops down and you can do anything with it. Um, I thought it was really creative in terms of how you interact with things. It was it was like a level up from Battle Kid. It does feel it has a very Battle Kid like feel, but with a lot more. Uh, it's more accessible. Twenty twenty polish, yeah. For whatever reason, yeah. The themes in it are very interesting, and uh, recently, actually, MT joked that it is the more polished. Uh, um, cyberpunk game that everyone <laughs> wanted <laughs> damn that's hilarious you know one that was uh coded well works uh has all those themes where people are looking for and uh people didn't have to crunch for in development <laughs> well the cyberpunk 2077 i'd like to play it but i've just that's, heard so that's many what things. you're referencing okay yep yeah i assume so yeah I just was like, any cyberpunk game? Wow, that's that's like, it's a lot. Never mind. It must suck to put that much time and effort into a game release and then it coming out and having the problems that that did. I don't know, kind of like shipping a bunch of copies but taking out the flash saving. Yeah, I mean, there is that comparison, but on a much <laughs> bigger scale, it was oh, bad you had enough. Ten, you had ten unhappy people, I think. <laughs> That's better than ten million. Yeah, but also, um, homebrew has been really, I think, growing overseas. You have all of these Famicom homebrews that are coming out that are just so much fun. I'm terrible at shooters, but uh, I got Heredia Zero and Hera Tyler um, from Impact uh, his booth store. Um, so that enables me to to get it from overseas, and. Uh, uh, friendship I've developed through the homebrew community. I was able to get a copy of uh, Astro Ninja Man. Um, so there's some robust stuff that's coming um, from Japan on the homebrew front. It's kind of cool to see um, again, like another island of the the homebrew sort of archipelago. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that analogy stick. Um, <laughs> it's this other source of really cool games, and because they're seeing that there's an audience hungry for this content. They're, I think they're ramping up and they're trying to find ways to make those markets accessible. And that's something that, um, that Justin, uh, that Neo's doing to uh, help bridge that gap to the extent that other players uh, stateside or in Canada aren't, as, aren't, aren't able to access that. I think you could put Blade Buster in that category too. Like it, it these amazing <clears throat> homebrews that were developed seemingly out of the blue for for us on in the west because you know we don't have a lot of exposure even especially when that game came out to other developers overseas but the amount of polish um of of those games coming out is is really exciting that's a great game and i wish it got the physical release it deserved well yeah i don't think Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think many people have had direct communication with the developer of that, have they? Not that I know. I know he was very adamant that it would not be on physical cards. Um, mm. But that so was mysterious. a decade ago. No, <laughs> has I mean, it been that they don't long? Want to get sued? Yeah. Uh, and there was always the fear that Nintendo would come after homebrewers, even on NES Dev stuff like that. I mean, that was always sort of like, what we're doing is in the shadow. <laughs> it's not. 
it's not illegal, but it's not looked highly upon, and they're a big company, and they can just do whatever they feel like. Yeah, I think as long as we stay away from their major IPs, they'll turn the other way. <laughs> and so, yes, the ghost of Christmas future. We come at last to things on the horizon, as Sean would call it. Um, so, yeah, where do you, I guess... You know, you've been in the homebrew community, both of you, for a while. You've, you've done collecting, gaming, contributed in numerous ways. Uh, no programming from either of you yet. We'll get there. Uh, it's a <laughs> dirty, dirty process. But um, what would you like to see sort of moving ahead? Or, or I guess what do you think you see is happening? And what would you like to see? Yeah, we'll take you a couple different directions. I definitely want to see more RPGs. Um, Ooh. Oh. No, I look. My blog is Homebrew Draws Near because I am the biggest Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest fan. Um, one of my tattoos is of the of the label art from the first game. Rebel um, Lawyer, right there, tattoos. Look at you. <laughs> um, and I think there's there are there are ways that you can put that sort of homebrew ingenuity to and layer that on top of I think some of the winning formulas for RPG stuff. Now, don't hold your breath on me developing anything, you know, someday. <laughs> but um, when I first met Bo, and in, 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 in his infinite patience, he listened to this. Um, I had dreamed of a James Bond adjacent sort of modern set RPG. And different characters would have these abilities to play with the items. So there would be a Q character. And what he could do was he would take raw items with different combinations, he could create items that other player, other players' uh, characters could use to to play and fight in the game. He would create gadgets based on whatever you sort of were able to, to scavenge. Um, but that's probably way too complicated. Um, but to just have more RPGs, more stuff like um, like I love Black Box Challenge. Uh, I like Swords and Runes. I'm excited to to play Swords and Runes three. Um, just more of that content, just the really immersive stories that are going to take more than a sitting to get through. How'd you feel mm -hmm. about Convention Quest? I liked it. I um, You don't have to be I, nice here. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, like, I, I almost was worried one day that I destroyed my friendship with Bo because I was, like, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was, like, here, like, tell me what you thought Is this of the, the game. Is oh, like, <laughs> um i think that's the typo that i couldn't find but i think it was just giving you general feedback and i was like was i too harsh oh like, i was like showing my email to friends being like was i too harsh did i ruin this friendship he's not emailing me back what happened it's been three days um oh i'm notorious oh, Sean, i think you reached out to me about time. that too <laughs> i did i did oh, like jeez <laughs> that's sleep just, I'm That's like, yeah, I don't think he likes you anymore because uh, he responded <laughs> to my email. <laughs> Just talked to him an hour ago. So. <laughs> no, but I, I like Convention Quest. I thought it was like it's a great opening salvo to what I'm like. I'm hoping still will, will be a series. I loved the colors. I love the engagement. I love the cameos. It was something that was. It had something for every level of engagement in the homebrew community. If you were very immersed, if you knew everybody. There were all these Easter eggs for you to appreciate. Not just like that Kevin and Bo were in there, but that they had these pretty good-looking sprites to represent them. Oh, and if you, you. weren't, if you were a newcomer, if you were just somebody that attends that convention, 
doesn't know anything about homebrew. It's still a fun little experience to be like, yeah, that's so true. I met this this kind of person, or this is just a fun, quick little game. It had something for for everybody. Well, only like a third of the game actually made it into the game. I had a lot more planned out. That it would have made it a nice full RPG minus a battle system, but uh, is it just time constraint? Like, why why was that much cut? Yeah. I, Made the entire game in three months. Damn. Did did most of the art myself. Uh, Thomas did the music, of course. But yeah, that was... I mean, I have my paper drawings on like May 10th or May 13th. And then it was out. Is it May? June, July, August. Yeah, August 10th. Uh, the show started. Like, wow. ugh, Those were like 20-hour days the last week. It was uh, rough. Were there any major but, bugs found? Uh, no, nobody's found anything. I mean, it just, I, I used my RPG like. engine to, to do that. So if you're looking ahead to that horizon and wanting RPGs in the community, that's like a small taste of what What's will hopefully come? someday <laughs> be finished. Uh, <laughs> what about, you, what about Chris? you, Chris? Uh, well, before I get into it, just leading off to Sean, what are you saying about that James Bond game? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because you're kind of talking about blending genres together. I don't know if uh, your intention, but um, it's kind of like a point and click in an RPG kind of merged together as you were talking about it. Ooh, I like, I like where this is going. Very yeah. shadow run like. <laughs> oh, you know, that, that brings up, uh, um, there's this game uh, coming, Courier, I think it's its name. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to talk about this or are you just messing with Kevin? No, I think we're allowed to talk about it. I don't think oh, that I we've been. I, I thought don't it was think we've been. You the name. No, we haven't been secretive about it. Oh, I I haven't seen it men- mentioned anywhere. Yeah, well, I'm just about to get back to working on that. I'm I'm super excited. Isolation's the one I'm really excited for down the line. Uh, that one is officially canceled as of oh, last week. No. Yep. Yeah, I thought I an email. he was going to get around to it. Oh. Nope, he sent me an email last week saying that uh, he's finally coming to the realization that he just doesn't have the time to uh, to get back to it. So that one is officially canceled. Sorry. Uh, he did just get a new job. I get it. Yeah. It would have been good. I mean, the, the story was good, I think. Uh, the ideas he brought to the table were really good, but just got uh, the, the scope just got too big, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So shelving indefinitely rather than searching out another partner for it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's too, probably too far down the line for me to make a, a definitive answer on that because I, I want to put all my focus on, on Courier and, and make that game as good as it deserves to be. So um, that one is definitely happening. And now you got a Homebrew World Championships 2022. Yeah, yeah. committed to it. <laughs> That's verbal <true>. contract. <laughs> I hear uh, what's that? Uh, Chip and whoever. Chip and no. whoever. They do the uh, the games yeah. show. The HGTV people. No. <laughs> Population's too young. You don't. You don't know. You lost me there. <sighs> I hear American Pickers is looking for uh, somebody to do an (laughs) NES game. So Kevin, oh, that would be really cool. Oh, (laughs) here I am making funny, and you're you're just loving it. No, I mean I think that American Pickers, that whole 
I think that would make for a good RPG. Like, I hope that maybe if the Pawn Stars game does well, um, I would love for American Pickers to come around. Callie, you would have worked at LJN back in the day. Oh, I, <laughs> that would have been a dream. Ooh, I want to <laughs> see how that timeline branches. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be six at the time, but yeah, it did go well. Well, if you doesn't someone own LGN now? If you partnered with them, you would work for them. Um, I I think did that doesn't Gamester eighty one have that? He's got a claim. Oh, a claim. Just the name, though, not the IPs. Hmm. Mm. Maybe one uh, day. Yeah. (laughs) One thing we can talk about that uh, Bowie you just kind of brought up was uh, licensed games. You know, where is that going? And leading off of the project that Kevin's working on with um, the Chum Lee game, where is it going to go from <laughs> there? It can be quite exciting, depending what happens after this. You know, well, really... that and Jay and Silent Bob, that's two big yeah. ones. Yeah. Uh... Really pulling into the mainstream. It's incredible to see that this thing that was meant to be, you know, sort of kept quiet. It was hobbyists and we're afraid Nintendo's going to do something. And now... We're connecting enough with the mainstream. It's like we're too big to get killed now. Yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, depending on how these things progress, I mean, who's to say that there isn't a future, I don't know, Star Wars game that coincides <laughs> with the release of, of a, a new show or something? What like. are you trying to say? What are, what well, are you not telling us? Oh, I, I definitely don't have any hush-hush information, but yeah, we'll I, see, I feel like the sky <laughs> is the limit for what what licensed homebrew and as someone pointed out on twitter that's almost an oxymoron but i mean it's still us making these games um the same way but you know that we're making our our passion private projects so i i think that licensed homebrew is a thing i don't think that it ceases being a homebrew when it when oh, it goodness, is no. launched no that's yeah that's that's a very odd definition of homebrew if that's how you're looking at that but anyways i don't want to get into that this episode <laughs> so kevin when when are you releasing jar jar binks the video game <laughs> jar jar's pinball or something just weird and weird license tie-ins oh you could use his ears as the the flippers oh goodness you're no. already thinking about it <laughs> no tilt. so that's what you're you're wanting to see more of in the future chris um, I think or I'll think talk... you might, whether you want to or not. <laughs> I think we'll see more of it. Um, what would be more exciting is not that it's a licensed game, but picking up where maybe some old properties were unfinished, maybe oh. like uh, a Ooh. fan favorite or some show that got a cult following that never ended or can't be picked up for a continuation. The story could kind of live on in an Firefly. NES game. I'll do Firefly, sure. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome, and there's a definite base for it. Um, it's been, you know, canceled for so long. I don't think it's going to be picked back up as now, a, a the problem show. with any of those is is finding IPs, whether it's an old, you know, obscure video game that that you'd like to purchase and like do a sequel to, or or any sort of property they're all tied up in these big company things conglomerates whatever uh, but 
fan fiction. That's where that's you're in. Oh, that's what gets you sued. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Kevin has that frame C and D on his wall. I never got <laughs> one of those. <laughs> you would frame it though. I know you would. Oh, absolutely. Have it bronzed. Uh, I remember sending Al Lowe, you know, screenshots of my leisure suit port. I was like, hey, look what I'm doing. Do you think I can do this? He's like, I can't tell you yes or no. I don't own those rights. <laughs> but it looks good. <laughs> I was like, cool, got his blessing. Moving on. <laughs> you give Kevin a inch, he'll take a mile. Absolutely. But it's funny how rights get tied up. You know, the, these companies buy them up and maybe they don't even intend on doing a game with them and they just own the rights and it turns into this mess. Yeah, or they're just buried forever and nobody can get to them. Yeah. They're just sitting on it in the hopes that someone will approach them and say, hey, I want to make a game on this project. All right, pay me. <laughs> I guess Some that's them... no different than the people buying up the domain names and just hoping that someone needs them and buys them from them. That and all the uh, slabbed games. All the plastic prisons. I mean, that's how you know Homebrew's like really made it. Now some of those are getting slabbed and traded. You're talking about grading homebrew games? Yeah, what I was looking for, graded. Oh, man. It's like slabbed. What are we doing here? <laughs> that's a mob thing? Through, but like gradual games has appeared uh, on eBay graded. That's a whole rabbit hole, man. It, it feels like the, the comic book collectors or baseball card collectors like got bored with their hobbies, started infiltrating us and now they're like grading all of the stuff in hopes that it they're like forcing it to become valuable or desirable or something and i just i don't feel like that's the way it needs to to work i totally agree but at the same time i feel like it's the best way i can possibly get rid of my motor city patrol and george <laughs> foreman's kato boxing <laughs> still graded i'm gonna pay off my student loans let me know if that works out for you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd forced, love to do that. <laughs> forced scarcity. So silly. Kind of <clears throat> continuing, like, what is exciting me in the future is not necessarily games. It's where is the community going to go as far as engagement as it keeps growing? And not to put um, words into Sean's mouth, but one of the things that's, I think, important as far as the video game stage, us on the homebrew team with the staff is kind of picking up where Nintendo H left off and keep growing it. And we keep spearheading these projects that we're hoping that the community gets more involved with it. So we're seen as the, the site is seen as a, a resource for uh, tools for people to use, people to comment about the games, to discuss the projects, to do all these competitions. And that's kind of where I think our time is being invested in right now. That's kind of what's important to me as far as a, as a person. I think it's really yeah. special that it's not just, you know, for the longest time, it was the developers showcasing their games and, you know, collectors buying the games. But there was never really an effort put in by someone who isn't the developer like to sort of track things and and reach out and, and explore and discuss it's it's really inspiring to see you know people who are actually buying and playing the games 
pushing that forward. You know, you guys are taking what we do and actually making something of it. And I think that was a piece that was missing for the longest time. It's definitely been fun to see the way things have expanded and the ways that things can plug into to other aspects of of just our interests. Um, I feel like, and I said this earlier, I think there's just something fun about the fact that you don't even need a specific project. You can just say, Orb Games is, is showing off this thing. And it's because there's that reputation built into what Tim does that you get excited about the gift of discernment or the hope that he'll pick it up again. Just the fact that um, Franken graphics, that Ellen is teasing this other background and showing off some of the tricks that she does to um, save space when she's making some of these. And it's just because I know who Franken graphics is and I know that she's amazing. It's just, she posted something. Wow. But um, even just with some of the, the the connections that have come up with with just the blogs that we're, we've been working on, um, after I'd done my first post with Project Blue, um, I might get the name wrong, Kote Gamers, and they, they've published some stuff, they do a couple of books. They reached out and they said, we're doing a making of Project Blue book and we, we're gonna interview the development team, but we like what you did. Can we just use that? And we'll send you a copy of that book. And it's, oh, wow, this publisher is now really going to get into this back end, this making of stuff to really highlight to other audiences how incredible homebrew is. Or some of the opportunities when I was doing um, Mall Brawl and I was talking to Justin. At, um, so he's the sort of the producer behind Jane Silent Bob, and he's pr uh, producing the more modern companion, uh, Chronic Blunt Punch. And so he's got this thing, the Media Indie Exchange, and he likes what's happening there. So he wants to start bringing some of um, my writing onto his work for modern indie games, but with a sort of added platform that can help me better promote these homebrew games through some of his channels. So it's this great way of building these other connections and building out what the community can connect to that really, I think, is helping this momentum grow. That's that's great, Sean. You know, that's kind of what I kind of envisioned where I wanted to see these projects go is not that necessarily you, I, or Justin becomes like um, the the focal point as far as blogs or anything, that they, they kind of, the seed's planted and it grows to something larger, that more people are writing blogs or these projects are becoming of it. And that's that's great that it's going somewhere. It's great also because there's there's more to these games than the game itself. Like like Bo has always talked about, like the development process in itself should be a focal point. And the fact that someone is uh writing or putting together a a book about, you know, the making of Project Blue, there there's a lot there that, that should be explored um for all these games because every game has a story. And it's more than than just the final product of the game itself. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can segue if you'd like, but it's just yeah. But you're right. There are these amazing stories that I think add depth to how some of these games happen. Um, whether that there's an inside joke that is being shared with the larger community about why this one aspect of, of such and such game is happening, or I really loved this game as a kid 
and this is my way of kind of doing this is my like talking to to Derek for for trophy and saying I really want to do sort of my take on Mega Man, but I wanted to add these other features. And um, some aspects of that might seem obvious, but in other ways you think like, here's this kid that's just been thinking about it forever. He's not a kid anymore, but back when he was, he'd been working on this since he was a kid. He sent me some of the sketches he made from just doodling in middle school. Um, and this was just something that had been years in the making. And you really, it's just adds so much depth to the game to think this is, is isn't something that someone just you know pumped out in some of their spare time. This is a, a real passion project, and I think that makes the game so much more meaningful, and it really adds, I think, an important layer to what makes the homebrew community special. Is this isn't people just grinding stuff on uh, out on a deadline to make their bosses money. This is I am trying to make something to contribute to a, a corner of gaming that has meant so much to me. And I want to put all the time and love I have to make it this polished, beautiful thing to show what a love letter it really is. Wow. Documenting those like history aspects. That's, that's one of the things that I think needs to be done as, as a um, preservation effort. And I'm really excited for this book that Bo is doing. Yeah, I want to see it one day. That, yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now it's going to get awkward. Yeah, but uh, no, things just take forever uh, because it's a huge topic. Like that's why you can have a whole book just on Project Blue, easy. And then when you start to add, you know, multiple book or multiple projects, and then a developer does eight different games, and they can't remember details about half of them, and they didn't take any notes, or they did, but they're like Derek's got notes for everything. His the, the Aulia journal's like twelve hundred pages. Holy cow! Twelve hundred, like that's just for one game. So it, it it's a daunting thing. <laughs> I have no excuses <laughs> other than it's just it's a lot larger than I thought. Well, and I mean, it's, it's, Kevin, it, it's scope, man. Once 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 you start going down this rabbit hole, it leads to four other chapters, like. I, I don't envy the position you're in because it's going to be amazing when you're done, but <laughs> I can't even imagine because like you're delving into stuff, talking to memblers and all those people that have been around since the beginning. Like I don't even, none of that stuff's on my radar. So you have this whole other world that you're trying to sift through. <laughs> well, there's just so much too. Like where do you, and this is why I'm always kind of particular about where do you draw the lines when you're talking about homebrew? because you know, early on, you had the emulation community, you had the chiptune community, you had the hacking community. Homebrew is a very small, little part of all that, and it 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 keeps you sane if you're either trying to collect or trying to write or just trying to game. Like you can't play or read or think about everything. Like you got to draw some barriers, and so, uh, yeah, those early years, it there was a lot less, but also a lot more in other ways. Because you have to like tie into all the stuff that's outside of the main topic. But anyway, anyways, well, I we do appreciate what you're doing, and uh, uh, you we'll take see. all the time you need. <laughs> yeah, let's tell Brian that. How about yeah, that? I say that as the man who did not pay you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Bo, I, I can relate in a uh, in this aspect because I think I have a hard time 
where do you draw the line to? And I uh, can really admire um, Sean's um, blog as he's putting them out. And I'm, I'm taking a, a lot longer to kind of put out episodes because I have a hard time. Where do you draw the line? And so then I end up explaining how this aspect works or all of a sudden maybe something that should have been a few pages now, 35. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, who is reading this? <laughs> is anyone <laughs> That's reading That's a good question. This? You talked about wanting more blogs. We need more people to read blogs. That's, yeah. the, that's the battle. And I'm guilty as charged because I don't often read. I don't like to read on a screen, so it's hard for me. Like Nathan was like, well, didn't you, didn't you read it in my, uh, when I posted about it? And I was like, yeah, maybe. So then I had to go back and read his blog post, and he referenced me a few times. And it was like, whoops, I should probably stay up on these. Well, I mean, it's the same as when people were, you know, when, when the homebrew community was in its infancy and, and we were making games. You, you, you almost can't stop to worry about if anyone's playing them because no. once, once you start looking at it from that perspective, the game stops being who you are as a, as a game maker. Like, you have to make and write what you want to focus on. and not worry about if anyone's reading the blogs. The more that the more that you write, the more people will have to find. It's amazing. I see um gamers these days, they're they're constantly buying the newest game and I just don't understand how they have time to play them because it, there's just so much coming out all the time juggling that with, you know, whatever's going on in their day-to-day life. I just always feel like I'm playing catch up. So it's I feel it's like you're cool. always playing Rocket League. That's definitely the case, but uh, I made the decision yesterday to give that game up, so wow. I'm no longer playing it, because hmm. it, it wasn't bringing joy to my life anymore. I was just getting pissed off all the time, and that's not what you want in a video game, right? Ah, it's right? no battle, kid, but sure. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I threw my controller against the wall yesterday and my headphones. Like It, it made me a mean person. I don't want to be that guy. No, that is that's the ghost of Christmas past or future. <laughs> the ghost, the, the the ghost of Kevin past. I'm no longer oh. that person. Anyway, um, are there any games by any developers that you know might be in the process of being developed that you're looking forward to coming out? Oh yeah, um, Halcyon. Really looking forward to that. Oh yes, um, Project Borsch. Um, Orange Island's up there too. Yeah, everybody talks going to be awesome. Yes, very. What were you saying, Sean? Like everyone I interview, they all are excited for Orange Island. That was that's the one like across the board. Everyone's just in love with that. Yeah, I think that Ted's doing a really good job of making it seem almost larger than life. I don't know if it's the color palette or the just the marketing that he's doing, but it seems there, it's, that game has something special about it that I'm really drawn to. But it all, it all feels very genuine. It's not like a marketing whiz is doing this. It's just like the way he presents himself is very interesting. For sure. He parcels it out at a good pace so that it, it keeps people's appetites sort of sated as he's working along, but not so much that people are 
banging on his banging down his door. Where is this? Like, because I'm sure he would be exhausted. But like, it just he teases these new gameplay mechanics. It, like I said, it's beautiful, but it also looks really complex. It looks like it's going to be this immersive thing, on par with kind of what I was saying I wanted from an RPG. Mm, there you go. Yeah. And it seems like, like a lot he's... of. Go ahead. There's like a lot of, I think, aspects in what's being shown that appeal to many people. Like you're saying the aesthetic is one people can really, Oh, that's really cool. I want to play that or what he's doing with uh, music with some professional musicians or just the general mechanics where people are like, Oh, this is like legacy of the wizard, or this is like this game. So I think there's a lot of angles for people to be very interested in the game. And I think he's every new sort of feature that is coming together. I think he's, He's packaging it together to present in a way that feels substantial to me. And I don't know what it is about it that he's doing, but um, I, I think he's very good at, uh, at showing um, what's going on in development. I keep thinking of Ted almost daily because we got an orange cat a couple of weeks ago and he has an <laughs> orange cat. And so it's just like, oh, Orange Island's coming out soon. That's right. <laughs> Multiple times a day. That's like the ultimate marketing, like somehow putting cats in people's houses to make them think about your game. I guess. <laughs> He's I guess. He just showed up one day. I guess I didn't really ask where he came from. <laughs> he set it out into the cat. world. <laughs> I just want there to be a video of, of Bo bumping into his cat, perking up and going, oh, <laughs> where's that away? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm also looking forward to Dead Tomb. I, I think that yeah. it was scheduled to be released in q4 of 2020 so i assume that i'll be getting it any day now yeah um, lrg was released something about their stuff coming their plan with the pandemic and what's coming ahead i think it's it's in there Uh, cool i kind of wish i backed that i kind of held off waiting for um the developer to release it on their own which they kind of hinted at but yeah i'm a little worried that. that won't happen you never know. Uh, uh, that's collector vision, though. They're pretty big. Mm-hmm. They release all their own stuff as it is, so I would assume. But yeah, you they're never probably know. waiting for the limited run version to come out before they they don't want to take away from that. Yeah, I assume is their way of going. Who ahead. knows? We could always ask them. Uh, <laughs> one that I'm excited for is uh, Chris Cacciatore's Project Janus. Yes. Yes. Very exciting. That one, you know, because I like the longer epic games and Zelda likes are always nice. And uh, yeah, just he's, I mean, he, he keeps showing almost the same screen. And because he, and I know this from like making games, you, you build a screen and that's where you test all your mechanics. And he keeps, he's always showing something new. But if you just look at the shots without animating the uh, GIF or video, it's like, oh, we saw this last week. And it's like, no, no, it's all new. <laughs> all new. It's the best GIF. Always something new and interesting in those gifts. He does really good with those. He, I mean, his Nebs and Debs ones were just awesome. And then he's continued with the, this new project. Yeah, I think his his constant releasing of new, um, I'm going to say GIFs. I think that's why you were I don't pushing think that word. What, what you um, anyway, I, that's what inspired me to start creating mine own, like seeing how he was showcasing his uh, development. I don't know. I, I, I love seeing in-progress GIFs of games. It, it keeps me interested. 
Yeah, I got to get better at that. I mean, I just I sit on these projects for like four years, don't show anything until last night, and it's a screen of glitched out graphics, and that's it. That's all. That's all I show you till it's done. Uh, not not the best way to get people interested. I don't know. I, I can't decide if piecemealing in progress stuff or just dropping a finished product, you know, unsuspectedly. I I don't know which is the better way to go about it. I think there's pros and cons of both ways. Yeah, it'd be nice to like. I don't show anybody anything because I, I still have filler graphics in there. But it'd be nice to get some like feedback or thoughts or just some sense of excitement beyond sitting in home alone by myself giggling and woohoo! It's 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 getting there. <laughs> Not that that happens every day, but sure. Yeah, gonna get a lease on here one day and and get the real scoop. No, oh, she just her eyes glaze over anymore. She doesn't even pay attention. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. I'm most looking forward to Action 53 Volume 4. Oh. Uh, I mean, that's on the, hor- on the horizon. It's getting there. Um, just so many great folks. Every, each entry is better than the one before. Love. We're getting the next thing for Morph Cat with, um, I think you have to say with an accent, Bubble. Uh, <laughs> I want to play N from, from Nathan Tolbert. Love the music to that. Um, I remember I played Blockage at Magfest. Just so many good things, and excited to see which of those get their own full-length releases. Um, but also, uh, I love some of the progress we've seen from uh, the Tenth Night uh, that Rob yeah. uh, worked on with uh, Jordan Davis, who's he's really come up in the community the last couple of years, um, mm-hmm. and. This isn't quite on the way, but I'm just going to do it. Ellen, Franken Graphics, I know you have that roller derby game in the pipeline. I want to see it. It looks so good. I forgot about that. She hasn't talked about that in a little while, has she? I asked her about it when I interviewed her, and she laughed. She's like, oh, is that still on the website? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 10th night, um, Rob, the amount of time he's putting into giving each enemy their own like music theme um it's gonna be really special when that game comes out he's has he's he posted really, that publicly i don't know if he has or not but he's he's up to like 30 plus enemy music cues like just the music alone is going to be insane in that and also in regards to jordan um he's been working on the king's quest graphics for me still so Ooh, I'm, is uh, he back to that yeah, so he's. Oh, good. I think over half the screens are done. Um, so that that you're will gonna be have a busy up. year next year, friend. That's good though. Like now that Pawn Stars, you know, I've been sitting on Pawn Stars. The game's been done since like February. Um, so since that's finally picking up and about to be released, it's getting me excited about uh, just homebrew development again. So uh, I'm excited for a busy year. I want to uh, be productive and and get some more stuff out. Yeah, this is your brain. This is your brain on Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me lazy and complacent. Well, you you have a 2021 set aside for Sneak and Peek too. Yeah. Sneak and Peek two, the next homebrew competition cart, King's Quest Courier. God, watch out, world! You're gonna be up to uh, 20 games in no time. <laughs> Only hey, half of them are ports, too. Look at you. And Unicorn. We haven't even <laughs> talked about Unicorn. There's so much. So oh, much unicorn. to look forward to. 
golly, if we could just like forget about that game every three months and then remember it every six, so we'd be right on par. <laughs> well, any other games that we want to discuss? Uh, I'm hoping we see a family vacation at some point. Oh, no, there it is. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd put more money on giant four-year RPG that I've been working on than I would family <laughs> vacation anytime soon. Well, what it all boils down to is there is a lot to look forward to in NES Homebrew. So I'm glad we got to get together and, and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, happy holidays. Happiest of holidays. At that campaign coming up, and I just need to ask, you know, Mr. Hamley, your campaign seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? <laughs> I don't know that I'm popular. I'm I don't know how people are even finding me, but I'm happy to uh to do games. If you're out there and you have a TV show or a movie and you want to do something, I'm your guy. I dream of Janie, the return. Hey, I'll blink and nod my head and, and pop that game right out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like the sounds you made. That's a, that's a good way to end this. We'll make a fighting game with uh, Samantha from The Witch, all the classic characters. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys making time to do this. Uh, we didn't get to do a holiday episode last year, um, and it's something I like doing, and and I hope that it's something that people like listening to. So if it's something that you're into, let us know. We'll do some more of these, hopefully, in the future. If not, Otherwise, we can I will quietly uh, sweep it under the rug and Never mention it again. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, will you at least play some Christmas music on the way out? Oh, you actually want this to be Christmas related. All right. I uh, guess holiday, we'll... holiday music, holiday music. <laughs> I didn't say Christmas. Sorry. I got Christmas on the brain. Holiday music. All right. Um, yeah, I'll find, I'll find something to put in right here. All right. Sounds good. All right. We appreciate everyone tuning in. And until next time. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays.